0: Hello, welcome to the David Eagle Podcast. My name is David Eagle. I'm talking to you from 2022, but we are looking back at 2016, a year that saw me release a podcast every single day, which means that we have 366 podcasts for 2016. In order to streamline things a little bit, I've decided to condense those podcasts into weekly omnibus editions. The project was called David's Daily Digital Dollop. So this is David's Daily Digital Dollop, the weekly omnibus edition. And we are now up to week seven. And as i said last week january was a very slow month i wasn't really doing much and so i was recording from home but february we were on tour there was a lot of things going on and it means that i'm recording from lots of different locations as you'll hear when you hear this sound by the way that means we're moving on to the next dollop enjoy Okay, I'm in a really good location to record, actually. I've managed to uh, hijack the Unthanks dressing room. Uh, There is a little problem. They are doing a sound check at the moment. and They've been doing a sound check for quite a while. And they're probably going to come back in like five or ten minutes. So hopefully I get a chance to read this dollop out without interruption. But the Unthanks might come into their dressing room and shoot me out. We haven't been on Jules Holland, so uh, I can't expect to just hijack their dressing room and get away with it. I was tempted, knowing that we'd be asked the same questions by the seven BBC local radio stations we were on yesterday to give a different answer to the one same question. I could then take recordings of all the interviews and play our different answers back to back for today's dollop. But perhaps this wouldn't have been taking our PR campaign very seriously. Plus, I realized that the time and effort that it would take me to visit each radio station's website, find the show and the time that we were on, and then edit all the clips together, would probably be 10 times more labor-intensive than writing a blog post. Hi, David. Hello, Becky. How are you?
1: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well. I hijacked your dressing room while you weren't in it. Disgrace Then you turned up. Okay, sorry about that everybody. I'm unfortunately now in the uh, disabled toilet. And I don't feel guilty about that because I am disabled, so there might be a real needy disabled person. No, it's okay, don't worry. It's our toilet. It's a disabled toilet, but it's not for disabled people. Uh, I mean, disabled people can use it, but I mean, it's, it's just the toilet that happens to be a disabled toilet that's near our dressing rooms. But we're the only people here, so don't worry, I'm not. No one's going to urinate themselves because of the David's Daily Digital dollop. When we first started, I used to record every interview that we did. But now that we've done so many interviews, I've given up bothering. It's not as if I'm going to listen to these interviews years in the future, and if there is ever a point that I get a sudden urge to listen to our interview from 30 years ago on BBC Radio Merseyside, then something has gone tragically wrong with my life. The audio version of these on-the-road vlogs should make for very interesting listening. Well, I hope you're agreeing with that. As they are likely to be recorded from some very odd environments. Yesterday I recorded sitting cross-legged on the stairs between the dressing rooms with a laptop on my lap, my braille display on top of that, and my digital recorder positioned on top of that. People kept walking past me, wondering what on earth was going on. At one point, my blog reading was interrupted by Adrian from the Unfanks. I hope that these weird locations and odd interruptions will make for an interesting listening experience rather than an annoying one. To be honest, the interruptions were probably more entertaining than the actual written blog that I was reading. I finished editing the audio up until a minute before going on stage, and then uploaded the podcast and published the blog to the website during the interval. Which was a close thing, given that Middlesbrough Town Hall's internet was so slow. But I managed to get everything online at about 9.30. But this challenge seems to be as much of a practical one as a creative one. That's the end of that. Someone can actually go to the toilet now. After my dollop from last Thursday, in which I talked about the challenges of writing daily while on the road, Jules commented, saying, would it help if the dollops were smaller? This, incidentally, is the very same Jewels who upset my poltergeist friend, who had kindly started writing some of these dollops for me, helping to lighten the load, and so I think it's a bit rich of her to try and offer solutions. Also, her suggestion tapped into my paranoia. Was this her anti uncle the equivalent of the audience shouting, less, less, if the If these dollops were shorter, then it would probably mean that I'd write the same amount, but just have to think about which bits to edit out, which would take even more time. But I don't really want to be too harsh with the editing, as I might end up deleting something that would maybe fuel an idea somewhere later down the line. This exercise is as much about me learning and getting better and more creative, and also having the resilience and staying power to write every day, regardless of obstacles. But this is not just about my resilience and staying power, it's about yours as well. The question is, can you handle it? Also, if I started with a view to writing less, most of the ideas that are generated wouldn't ever occur, because I'd reach 600 words and just stop. This means that I'd have to decide on a subject before writing, which often doesn't happen. I quite like the fact that I can start out writing about one subject, but then the subject will completely change during the writing process, or by discovering something on the internet while fact-checking what I've written. Because, when it comes to David's Daily Digital Dollop, factual accuracy is paramount. The dollop about the Beastie Boys forum is a good example of when an internet search mid-dollop writing can completely change the subject. One minute I was writing about the search results that come up when you type David Eagle blind into Google, but then I became interested in one of those search results, which was a post on the Beastie Boys forum, and so I started writing about that, which then led to a discussion about arse wiping. If I made the dollop smaller, then that kind of thing would never happen, and you surely wouldn't want to be deprived of that kind of quality subject matter, Jules. However, if you are concerned about the amount of of time that it's taking to digest these dollops and this reply won't be helping you there sorry there's an auto summarizing tool online here that's for the people reading this if you're not reading this which you're not you're listening you might be reading as long as well to make it extra educational for you but uh, just type auto summarizer into google and it'll come up that will allow you to paste in some text and then choose how much you want the summarizer to cut out the default is 50 percent, but you can change that number depending on how pressed for time you are unfortunately it tends to ruin any jokes because often it seems to take out the first part of the joke and just leaves the punchline. But you could then play a game of trying to guess the first part of the joke on the basis of the punchline, which would add an extra level of entertainment to the dollops without having to read 50% of them, saving you time and improving your levels of creativity in the process. Perhaps you'll discover that you've thought of better openers to the jokes than I have. Most people seem to access the dollops in their audio form, Hello, presumably because they find my voice arousing. That's why you're listening, isn't it, eh, Chloe? Plus, I'm taking them into some rather exciting locations. Yesterday, I recorded from the Unthanks dressing room in a disabled toilet, reading the dollop while sat on the loo. The blog posts take me about five to ten minutes to read, and I think that this is quite a good amount of time to explore an idea. The Archers is about 12 minutes a day, and that's one of the most popular daily podcasts out there, and that's full of padding. A lot of it is just farmyard ambience. I'm sure that if Archers listeners had a tool that would remove the bits in the soap where there's just the sound of a cow mooing or a sheep bleating, then they would get back quite a lot of their lives. If you are a dollop podcast listener, then you could save yourself about 75% of your listening time by using an app such as the Podcasts app on the Apple devices, which has a function to speed up the podcast up to 75% faster. Unfortunately, I don't think that it has a tool to take out the sounds of a cow mooing, which is a shame because that would save you even more time. Although what that cow was doing in the disabled toilet is anyone's guess. Still, it came in handy. Hell, we've all got our ways to relax after a hard day's work anyway thanks to Jules and everybody else who reads and listens to these dollops the numbers have not dropped off and are steadily increasing which is hopefully an indication that this project is working today's dollop was just going to be a four-line limerick until i saw Jules's comment so if you found this too long then address your complaints to Jules. a couple of weeks ago she insulted my dead friend and now she's making snide remarks about the size of my dollop insert your own smutty punchline here if you feel that way inclined Last Sunday, I'd planned to do some stand-up. One of the reasons for doing David's Daily Digital Dollop is to help create ideas that I could turn into stand-up comedy. I decided to perform my Richard Dawkins death material from Dollop 7 as a piece of stand-up. I'd linked all the elements together and came up with some new ideas. I was pretty happy with what I'd got. I thought that it had the potential to be quite funny, although I was massively nervous and unsure about how it would go down, being very new and unconfident about stand-up. I had a few hours before I needed to set off, and so I thought that I'd just do a quick look on the internet to see if I could find anything else about Richard Dawkins that might spark some ideas. Unfortunately, what it sparked was a news story which informed me that Richard Dawkins had just had a stroke the night before. I'd been so busy over the last two days that I'd not checked the news, and so I'd no idea. I assumed, however, that most people at the comedy night would probably be aware of the news story, putting a very different spin on my five-minute set, which was all about Richard Dawkins dying. In my head, I played through it. Hideous scene in which I started the routine, completely oblivious to the news, only to then receive a barrage of heckles from people berating me for being insensitive. And then I just have to stand there awkwardly explaining that I didn't know that he just had a stroke. I would be booed off and never have the courage to do comedy again. Now that I did know, it felt a bit weird doing the routine. If I was more confident and experienced, then I could have gone ahead regardless, relying on intuition and spontaneity to carry me through. But I was terrified enough as it was already, without having this to add to the nerves. Discovering this news caused my thoughts to completely run away with me, and my nervousness escalated to the point that I convinced myself that it was a really bad idea to go, that I'd be shit anyway, and that this was clearly a sign from the beyond. I know that this is a ridiculous set of conclusions to reach, especially the idea that this whole thing was a sign. I Ironically, this is exactly the kind of thing that Richard Dawkins rails against, and the very subject that I address and belittle in the stand up set. Did I honestly, rationally think that divine intervention caused Richard Dawkins to have a stroke in order to stop me making a tit of myself in front of a hundred people at a comedy night? Obviously, I knew that this is a completely implausible thought process, but my brain was just waiting for any excuse to ramp up the nerves and cause me more anxiety, and at the time, this seemed like too much of a massive coincidence to be ignored. So I bottled it and didn't go to the comedy night. Maybe God saw an opportunity that was too good to ignore, realising that he could engineer a way of teaching both me and Richard Dawkins a lesson at the same time. Richard Dawkins had a stroke, stopping him from travelling to Australia and lecturing about the non-existence of God, and I didn't do my stand-up ridiculing the idea of divine intervention. And the fact that I didn't go and do the stand-up is God's way of proving to me that I do actually sort of believe in stupid, superstitious ideas such as divine intervention, even though I don't think that I do, and belittle such concepts. Perhaps I've been given a special task by God. I will keep my eyes and ears open for more signs from God, assuming, of course, that I've already received a sign from God, which I'm still uncertain about. It would be useful if God would just leave a comment on this blog post. If you're listening to the podcast version, God, then you have to go on the website, obviously, and I don't know why am I telling you this, you're omnipotent. Condescending in there, God. Sorry about that. <coughs> Last night, I received a message from God. I'm glad you've learnt your lesson, he slash she slash it wrote. Well, God probably didn't actually write it himself. He probably just barks instructions to an angel or something. Maybe that's why the Bible is so full of odd contradictions and weirdness, because the angel is deaf, what with all the blasting trumpets, constant harp playing, and having the voice of the Almighty ringing in your ears all day long. The most famous example of God being too lazy to write was the Ten Commandments, which Moses wrote on God's behalf, on tablets. By which I mean tablets of stone, rather than iPads, which would have been a lot more impressive and have helped convert a lot more people.
1: I am the god
0: of kindle fire, and I bring you the Ten Commandments. Oh, and I've also installed the Angry Birds game for you too, for I am a benevolent god. Oh, and don't worry about the killing. I know that I said thou shalt not kill, but that doesn't include virtual fictitious birds killing virtual fictitious pigs. However, if I catch any of you coveting any virtual fictitious as oxen, then I'll smite you down. For as well as being a benevolent god, I am also a weird and confused god. At first, I was rather taken aback by what I was reading, an actual message from God. But after a good half an hour of thinking, a thought began to niggle me. How did I know it was really God? Granted, the name of the commenter was God, but doubt started creeping into my head. Perhaps it was an imposter. They could have just typed God into the name field. I was in a bit of a quandary, unsure of how to react. If I replied to this message by challenging the identity of the sender, then if it was God, he might fly up into anger and smite me, but if I responded to the message piously and it turned out not to be God, then he'd have me for worshipping false idols, thus breaking one of his commandments. I couldn't ignore the message and not respond, because as God admits in the Ten Commandments, I am a jealous God, which seems a little bit ridiculous really, given that he lists envy as one of the seven deadly sins, so not replying wouldn't work, as God would see that I was replying to other people and ignoring him, incurring his jealousy. Then, I had an incredibly clever plan. I called my dad and asked him what he thought I should do. Whatever my dad suggested, I would accept implicitly, without question. I figured that this might help protect me against God's wrath if he saw that I was making an effort to live up to his rules, even if I had to break one of them by my response. I'd honoured my father, which I hoped might count in my favour if I upset God by my reply. It's useful to have points in the bag, just in case. My dad suggested that I should challenge God in order to make sure that it definitely was him. I thanked him for his time, I hope he took note to of that, God, and proceeded to type my response to the message sender who claimed to be God. I asked the sender to prove that it really was God by telling me what I was about to eat for tea, something which an omnipotent, omnipresent God would have no trouble whatsoever in answering. But no response came. And so I think I've proved that the message was, in fact, sent by an imposter. So I think I handled that whole situation very well indeed. But then I went and buggered everything up. I couldn't help myself. I was just taking the rubbish out when I saw my neighbour's wife. And before I could stop myself... I started to covet her. I'm extra concerned because my neighbour is also a bit of a lazy slob who gets his wife to do all the work around the house while he just sits on his arse all day. So you could argue that as well as being my neighbour's wife, she's also my neighbour's female servant, which means that I've broken two commandments in one coveting session. Fortunately, my neighbour's donkey is really smelly and so there's no chance of me coveting that, which avoids me scoring a coveting hat-trick. Apparently, in order to signify God's Ten Commandments being delivered, God brought about a series of earthquakes, sent plumes of smoke into the sky, and gave a blast on a trumpet. Which seems like a lot of hard work for very little reward. How are people meant to know what the earthquakes, smoke and trumpeting is all about? And what the heck was the point in a trumpet? Most people would be too busy running away from the fire and the falling rocks to stop and listen to a trumpet solo, even if it is a trumpet solo from the Almighty. Far better for God to have had the foresight to introduce social networking to the planet a few thousand years earlier, which would have also made the tablets a lot more useful. It also seems a bit rich and stupid to set things ablaze and cause deathly earthquakes as the precursor to instructing people people that they shouldn't kill. I think that God could have done with attending a leadership course. Okay, guys, so uh, we're looking at effective leadership and how best to get your message across to people and make them want to follow you. So come on, guys, stick your ideas key in the engine of potential. Start the ignition of innovation as we fly this aeroplane of success into blue sky thinking. So come on, guys, what do we think? Ideas. Ah, it's God. What have you got to say, God? Stop taking my name in vain. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying your name. So w- what's your thoughts? If you want to get your message across, I find the best way is to proceed your message with a series of earthquakes, a generous helping of smoke, and a little bit of a blast on the old trumpet. Well, that's uh, certainly a novel approach, God. Stop taking my name in vain. I'm not. I'm just saying your name. You're saying it far too casually, suggesting a level of vainness. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgive you, for I am a forgiving God. Oh, good. Well, interesting suggestions, but I was thinking more along the lines of having a solid social networking presence. Are you on Twitter or Facebook, God? I am omnipresent. Well, that's as may be, but do you have a Facebook or Twitter account of your own, God? No, I, I prefer to communicate through the medium of stone. Stone? You mean you don't have a social network presence at all? Well, no. Never saw the point in it myself, when there's plenty of stone around. And I've got the old trusty trumpet, of course. Oh, actually, no, 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 Mary did get me set up on Bebo. Oh, good God. You definitely took my name in vain that time. Today, I came across an old memory stick with a load of random things on, including a number of songs that I recorded between 2000 and 2006, age 15 to 21. Most of them will never see the light of day, and for very good reason. But there are a few that I listened to that I actually quite liked. I think I will post some of them up as dollops over the next couple of weeks. The first song is called Rebecca Slater, which is about a university student's infatuation with a girl who attends his debating classes. I'm not sure what inspired... I it. I was at university at the time, but I never attended debating society. I quite like the arrangement, and it was one of the few songs that didn't make me cringe. My accent is a bit strange, but I think it's because I'm trying to take on the persona of a posh Oxford slash Cambridge university student. Here's a song from my 20-year-old self
1: entitled Rebecca Slater. See eye to eye all the way. See I do I although we do see I do I although we don't see I do I although we don't meet I do I although we do meet I do I although we do meet I do I although we don't meet I do I I'm hoping opposites attract I'm hoping that you will react and you'll turn fiction into fact when we debate We debate although my statements you've attacked I hope I've made a great impact. Packed 'cause because it's not just my brains you've racked when will we date will we date oh great debates are made so much greater by you rebecca slater great debates are made so much greater by you rebecca slater and i want you to know we don't see I too I all we do see I too I all we do see I too I all we don't see I too I all we don't meet I too I all we do meet i to I all we do meet I to I all we don't meet i to I all I constantly Everything that you say goes Condemn your academic prose When we debate, we debate I never, ever have disclosed I dream of you without your clothes I want to suck your tiny toes When will we date, will we date? Oh, great debate I'm so much greater By you, Rebecca Slater greater and you reflect us later and I want you to know the only reason I oppose you in debating classes is so I can sit opposite you and stare into your eyes why haven't you noticed that I have been making passes I want to see you naked and lie on top of your thighs why the look of surprise great debates so much greater, are you Rebecca Slater? Great debates, i army is so much greater, are you Rebecca Slater? Great debates, i army is so much greater, are you Rebecca Slater. And I want you to know, I do it epidemically, I'm flirting academically, I try to act respectfully, but I am too obsessed, you see, the only reason why I oppose your every view is because I want you.
0: I can imagine people thinking, can we have that David as a first dance for our wedding, maybe? If you've got a version with you not talking over the end, we don't want that as the first dance, that'd be ridiculous. This is me in 2022 now. You can probably tell that was a brilliant joke that I just did there about the first dance, you're probably thinking that's not 2016 quality. It was good in 2016, but that's 2022 level humour. It was interesting listening back to me talking about doing stand-up because by 2016, I hadn't really started stand-up. One of the reasons for starting this project was to get ideas that I could talk about when doing stand-up comedy. But then I was so afraid to do stand-up comedy that I used this project as a distraction. and went, well, I can't go out and do stand-up comedy because I've got to write and record and release a podcast. So it actually became a bit of an alibi for not doing it. A bit of an excuse. It wasn't really until 2018 that I started doing stand-up. But now... Oh! I think I've more or less conquered that. Very good gigs this weekend. My goodness. And listening back to Rebecca Slater, I was cringing at the start, thinking, is this a good idea to put this out? But actually, once it got into it, I really did enjoy the chorus, the way it was building and building. So I think it's worth putting these things in. I have actually taken out a few bits of these dollops. If there's certain bits that have made me cringe, then I will take them out. A lot of you might be thinking, bloody hell, given some of the things you've left in, David, I dread to think what those things would be like. I mean, you can go to davideagle.co.uk and search for those dollops and listen to the whole thing, but that was honestly... I mean, this is completest level, as it is if you're listening to this, without going to the website and listening to the 20% of stuff that I took out. Anyway, we're going to end with one final dollop. And it's the 45th dollop, which would have been the second dollop on this list. But it was the Valentine's Day dollop. And I decided to do something a little bit different and perform a couple of songs. And I thought it would be better to end like that than have it second dollop in. So we shall say goodbye with that. Dollop 45, the Valentine's Day special. Something a little bit different. As it's Valentine's Day, I thought I would sing you a love song. I also have remembered that I wrote a Valentine's song as well. And I'll maybe sing a little bit of that if I can remember it. But anyway, you'll hear that later. But right now, here's a cover of a love classic for you. But um, I think I've kind of singled it up a little bit here as a single person on Valentine's Day. I think I performed this maybe with a little bit more melodrama and angst that the original song doesn't really possess. Hello? Just have sex with me, love.
1: Just don't look pity. Come on, just one night.
0: Not wanting to ruin the beautiful nude that I've created, but I did actually write a Valentine's song once. Uh, it was meant to be a kind of a comedy song, but the trouble was, it was quite its quite dark. And I don't really think, I think it's more dark than funny. But I will sing, I don't really remember it too well, but it, uh, it went something like this. <laughs>
1: Roses are red, your violets are blue
0: In your hospital bed I'm spending Valentine's Day with you You
1: lie there
0: unconscious As I pour out my heart The only reply is an involuntary fart But the only thing that really
1: stinks, my dear Is the thought that you might not get out
0: of here That's what I fear For your nose it is red, your bile it is blue And the doctor's just said you might not make it through Yeah, so, uh, and then it just went darker and darker, and it eventually there was absolutely no comedy to be had at all. <laughs> it just got really dark. When first we met, it was all bums and boobs, now it's drip feeds and catheters and wires and tubes. And that's all I can remember. I bend down to give you one Valentine's kiss. The romance is slightly marred by the smell of your piss. I think, you know, it really, I don't think it's ever performable, really. And I do apologize for ruining your Valentine's Day. This is the Valentine's Day Massacre. And we'll be back with the usual blogs tomorrow. So if you haven't enjoyed this little excursion, then there'll be something different tomorrow. But hopefully you got something out of it, even if it's laughing at me attempting to sing semi-falsetto. Thank you very much. Back tomorrow. <laughs>